You are listening to the Dr. Michelle Corral Show. It is our prayer that as you listen to these podcasts, that you will receive your deliverance, breakthrough, anointing, and highest destiny. Our prayer is that your love for Jesus Christ be first in your life above all things. Now, here's Dr. Corral. Just in a literal sense of scripture, I want to go over the text with us so that we can understand exactly what the Holy Spirit wants us to see. First of all, um, the scripture is dealing with a very, very uh, close companion of King David, whose name was Jonathan. Jonathan was the son of King Saul, and David and, and, and Jonathan were extremely close. But one day in the midst, in the very midst of the battle of the Valley of Gilboa, a battle that was highly ordained of God because it would be through this battle that King David would actually become king because Saul had spent his entire military career, except for two years, hunting David down as if David were an enemy. And when David was his father-in-law and God's anointed in Israel. So what we need to see here is that this tragedy happened when the war was taking place and Mephibosheth had his father, Jonathan, who was David's closest companion. He was the crown prince of Israel, Saul's son, the inheritor to Saul's throne. That is who Jonathan was. But Saul himself was the grandfather of Mephibosheth. So Mephibosheth really was in his own right an heir and being the crown prince's son, he would eventually inherit all of the lands of King Saul. That's a lot of territory. How many of you know kings own a lot of property? All right. So his inheritance would be that he would inherit the lands of King Saul. Known in Israel as the crown prince's son was a very high title. Something that, that was given to him. And something that, that when, when someone receives the title like that, it is, it is something that they keep in their family and in their legacy forever. Even, even today, we have people that are of royal background from various different islands or places in Africa. And, and even though they may not be in a political monarchy, they are still respected among their people as being part of a royal family. And certainly, Mephibosheth, before the Valley, Valley of Gilboa, had access to all of Saul's inheritance, all of the finances of the royal family, all of the lands of the royal family, because he was Saul's grandson, the crown prince's, the inheritor of all of Saul's fortunes and everything that Saul owned. But in one day, in one day it is possible to lose everything. I don't know if anybody here has ever known that day. I'm sure everybody in this room has had a day that you can look back compared to other days that are not like any day. There may be some of us here that got a phone call on one day. If I were to ask all of you after the service and, and asked you, tell me what the darkest day of your life is. Usually, if we have a very, very, very dark day, one that is separate from all other days, we can, admit, we can know it just right there. We're not going to have to sit there and think about it and say, well, let me pray about it and come back, Pastor, and tell you what the darkest day of my life was. 
I'm sure everybody here knows that day. For some of you, it may be a death of a child. For others of you, it may be the day that you got the divorce papers. For others of you, it may be the day that your boss called you into the office and told you the company's collapsing and you cannot work here anymore. I do not know what the darkest day of your life was, but I do want you to know that the darkest day of your life can turn to, de to destiny. For Joseph, the darkest day of his life is when his brothers sold him into slavery and being called by his brothers, being put on that, that caravan, pleaded with his brothers to not sell him, to, to, to let him stay in the land. But he was the, one of the greatest victims of human traffic that ever lived. He was trafficked by his own brothers sold into slavery and brought down to Egypt as a slave. Okay, so we can all understand the darkest days of our life. For Mephibosheth, this was absolutely traumatizing beyond our imagination. Because number one, in one day he lost his land. In one day he lost his legs. And in one day he lost his legacy. That's an awful lot to lose in one day. One person to lose their legs in one day is going to take a lifetime to recover. One person to lose their land could take many years to try to recover that shock and recover the land. For a person to lose their legacy is something that is uh, very, very, almost unbelievable to try to recover. But here we see in one day when he's five years old, the day that he lost his land, he lost his legacy, and he lost his legs. The Bible tells us when the nurse that was carrying him heard the tidings. The tidings were, your grandfather Saul is dead. He is dead. He's been murdered by the Philistines, and he's not coming home. Your father is also dead. Nobody is going to be able to take care of you. Jonathan is dead. Saul is dead. And all of the royal family was dead was wiped out in that battle and God did it for David's sake because it was David's time to become king. So all of the house of Saul except Ishbosheth, um, one of his sons, was left alive. Everyone else was taken down in the valley of Gilboa. So what Mephibosheth did was he, when he began to get older and he could understand, I have to hide. I can't live here anymore. This is a painful place for me. And usually what would happen is when one family would take, take rulership in, in the crown in, in royal monarchies, usually what would happen is the former monarchy, everybody would be assassinated. Of course, King David would never do such a thing. But we don't know why. We have no idea. The Bible doesn't tell us why. But Mephibosheth changed his name. And he changed his name to Mary Baal. And Mary Baal, we're going to explain to you in a minute. We're going to see it from 1 Chronicles chapter 8 that his name was changed. He changed his identity. He changed his identity and he went to live in a place called Lodabar. Lodabar in the Hebrew language means without word. There are some of us here in this room, we don't have a word about what happened to us. We need a word from God that will tell us, this is not who you are. This is not the way you're going to end up. This is not your destiny to stay stuck in this dark place. But Mephibosheth 
Before he was called Mephibosheth, his real name was Mary Baal. And Mary Baal literally is a word that is taken from the Hebrew word Mariva. Many of us have heard of Mariva. Okay, Mariva is a name that Moses called the waters of strife. He called the place Mariva. Okay, so Marival is taken from that Hebrew word Mariva, which means strife. It can mean anger. Some of us have been in a place that we don't understand why God allowed certain things to happen in our lives. And we're a little bit angry. We feel that things that have happened have been unjust. Things that have happened in our life could have been differently. And we're wondering, God, why did you let it happen in our life? Okay. So Mari Baal, that is his name. Uh, prophetically paralleling waters of strife. But Mara also is a word taken from Mari Baal. The root of the word is Mara. The Bible tells us in Exodus chapter 15, when the children of Israel came out of Egypt, they came to a place called Mara, meaning that they could not drink the waters because the waters were bitter. Mara represents a place of tears. It represents a place of tragedy. It represents um, in our heart them dealing with our pain that we really don't know how to resolve it. All right. So his name represents a lot of negative connotation. Some of those things that happen to us when we go through trials and tribulation. But I want you to know today. God can call you out of Lodabar. Lodabar was the place where he changed his name. Lodabar literally means in English, it means to debar something. You know, when something's debarred, you can't get into it. When a person that is a lawyer and they're up for, they're, they're up for maybe certain accusations that they did um, uh, in their law practice, um, they call a lawyer that is removed from his office. They use the term, he's debarred. All right. That, that connotation, debar, low debar, is, means literally in the Hebrew language, it means poverty. That word low debar means, devar is a Hebrew word for word. Low devar means no word. It also can mean in the Hebrew language, not having. So it represents a place of desolation. It represents a place of great depression. It represents a place where we've gone into from our pain of our past and we can't seem to escape from it. It's a place of tremendous bondage and it's a place hidden. It's a place that takes our identity. And some of us have been stuck in Lodabar for years, but I've got a word for you right now. God wants to take you out of Lodabar. I don't know if you understand what I'm talking about, but today you're going to leave Lodabar. Touch your neighbor and say, today I'm going to leave Lodabar. I'm not going to stay stuck there anymore. I'm going to come out and experience my destiny the way God wants me to experience my destiny. Touch your neighbor and say, Lodabar is not going to take my identity because I know who I am. Hallelujah. I'm getting my identity back somebody touch your neighbor and say this thing I'm going through doesn't identify me hallelujah can I get a witness now saints when we talk about when we talk about Lodabar all right we're talking about Mephibosheth this one who was the crown prince's son no other young man in Israel had the privileges he had at the time to be Jonathan's son 
The only other person that had as many privileges and rights would be his father, Jonathan. His father who was a very tender-hearted, compassionate man. Now in one day, he doesn't have his father. He doesn't have his grandfather. And all of the property rights and all of the titles, everything that belongs to the house of Saul, now is no longer because there's no heir to claim it. So those title holdings of those properties went into um, an economic condition where nobody could claim it. And so literally the Midrash teaches us that David kind of gave what, what we would call like um, a, a certificate to Saul's daughter, Michael, who he was married to, to hold on to that until there was a proper claim on the property. Okay, David had no idea that Mephibosheth was living in Lodabar. But with his identity stolen, he didn't have any access to what really belonged to him. Because sometimes pain comes and changes our identity. And we believe when we, when we believe to go through those types of sufferings, sometimes we actually change our identity, not with our name change, but in our heart and think this is who I am. I'm not going to be successful. This is who I am. I'm going to be rejected all of my life. This is who I am. I'm never going to get married. This is who I am. I'm always going to be in financial need. This is who I am. I'm never going to have something that God wants to give me. But today I want you to know that everyone in this place is going to leave Lodabar. And it is not your destiny to stay stuck in Lodabar. with me today I'm leaving Lodabar all right I want to talk to you for a moment before I give you the supernatural steps in the Bible that teaches us how to leave Lodabar because you can't leave Lodabar with just some psychological therapy that's not going to work okay you can go and you can have um, someone psychoanalyze and we don't want to we don't want to degrade therapy it has its place sometimes it gives us tools to process our pain but look but but a therapist cannot, cannot give you the power to break chains that have held you captive and held your destiny hostage in a place because of so much pain that you feel like you cannot walk. Okay, the loss of Mephibosheth, his legs, represent the inability to go forward. There are many of us here, we didn't lose our legs, but we're not able to go forward because we're stuck. But today we're not gonna be stuck anymore. God's gonna release us out of that bondage from, from feeling stuck. Put your hands up right now and say this with me. I will not live in the land of Lodabar. I'm coming out in the mighty name of Jesus that obscure place and that and pain will not change my identity difficulty does not define my destiny but God defines my destiny in his word can I get a witness somewhere all right let me just explain for a moment when we're looking at God's word that we need to see about particularly about the name changes that happen in our lives. If you go with me to 1 Chronicles, 
All right, we're going to look at First Chronicles, and I'd like you. We we shared this just last uh, about three weeks ago, but I want to go over it again. First Chronicles chapter four, and I want us to see something that the text does concerning our our identity when we are going through a dark time. Sometimes when we're going through dark situations, troubles, depression, we're dealing with personal issues. When it goes on for a longer period than we expected it to go on, and it just keeps continuing, we have a tendency to begin to think this is who we are. We have a tendency to think this is the way things are going to always be. I don't know if anybody has ever asked the Lord the question, is this the way it's going to always be? You might have asked the Lord that. You might have gone through some things saying, Lord, is it ever going to change? You might have gone through some things to say, God, I've been waiting for so long. I feel like when am I going to get my life back? How many have ever asked the question, when am I going to get my life back from something that you've been through? All right. There are times when we go through suffering and when we go through personal pain and we have to deal with issues that we ask God, how long is this going to last? I, I want my life back. I want my job back. I want my freedom back. I want my children back. I want a relationship back. I want things to be like they used to be. I don't like the way things are now. But let me tell you right now, God's not going to leave you in Lodabar. God is going to bring you out of Lodabar. And today I'm going to talk to you about how you're going to get free from Lodabar. Because God is going to get you out of Lodabar. And you are going to come into your highest destiny. It is not your destiny to stay stuck here. Hallelujah. When we look at the life of Jabez, only for the sake, um, 1 Chronicles chapter 4, and we are going to look at verse eight, uh, 9. I want you to see something about Jabez only for the sake of the identification of the way Scripture identifies him. The Bible says Jabez was more honorable than all of his brethren, and his mother called his name Jabez because she said, I bore him in sorrow. The first thing we need to see here that is extremely important about Jabez. First of all, the Bible is introducing Jabez to us not by the labels, okay? Scripture starts out to tell us he's more honorable than all of his brethren. How many of you think that's a pretty good way to be introduced? Okay, so the resume Scripture gives us is not the resume that life calls him. Touch your neighbor and say, the resume God has written about my life and the destiny that God has written in his book may not be the same thing that's written on paper. Hello, somebody, can I get a witness somewhere? So today we have to break some decrees that have been written about you. We have to break some declarations that have been said about you because that is not what God's word says about you. Can I get a witness somewhere? at this, Jabez was more honorable than all of his brethren. What an introduction. Wow. You know, that is saying he's a man of honor. He's a man of dignity. He's an ish gabor. He's a, he's a great man. All right. And his mother called his name Jabez saying, because I bore him in sorrow. What we actually need to see is that the name Jabez is taken from the Hebrew word yabetz, which means to make 
sorrowful. To make sorrowful. You're going to name your child to make sorrowful? Is that the name you're going to give your son? To make sorrowful? Why isn't it a name like Asher? I couldn't be happier. God has God is, God is brought me victory. Why can't it be like Reuben, see his son? Why can't it be like Judah, now will I praise the Lord? Why can't it be like Levi, now I am attached to my husband? Why does it have to be to make sorrowful? That name indicates that his mother said, your birth is making me sorrowful. What a name to have. This means that this identity that was given to Jabez, he's going to break out of. All right. And this is why God granted all the requests of Jabez. Because when Jabez, the Bible says he's more honorable than all of his brethren. So the Bible wants to say, before your mother named you, I already canceled it. Hello, somebody. Can I get a witness? Before you were ever born, I canceled the assignment over your life. I can't get any help in here today. That's why the Bible says, when it introduces Jabez to us, it says he's more honorable than all of his brethren. Because God says, before you hear his name, I'm going to tell you who he is. Before you hear that word, yeah, bets, to make sorrowful. I'm going to tell you he's not going to make sorrowful. That's not his destiny. His destiny is not to make his mother sorrowful. His destiny is not to be less than. His destiny is not to be rejected. He is more honorable than all of his brethren. Say this with me in the name of Jesus. Every word that's ever been spoken over my life. Today in the mighty name of Jesus. As I come into this miracle today. God is going to break the strongholds off of my life. And I will be coming into my highest dimension of destiny. Can I get a witness somewhere? Somebody got to give God the break. I'm so glad that God has the, the greatest plans for us. God has exceedingly and abundantly above all that we could ask or think planned for us. That's why the Bible says as we studied last week, the Bible tells us that Yifta was a mighty man of valor, but his mother was a harlot, okay? Why does it go like that? Okay, his mother was a harlot, and this is, a, this is the text we learned last week that his father didn't marry his mother because his mother was a harlot, but yet he was the firstborn of Gilead's sons. But all the other sons of Gilead had a mother, a different mother, and that different mother loved her own sons. But the Bible says that the sons of Gilead from the other wife, not, well, the mother or his mother wasn't even a wife. His mother was just a, just a, a lady that, that had him from the father. But the Bible says another woman came. And the Bible tells us the, the sons of Gilead cast out Yifta from his inheritance and made him go and live in the land of Tov. But I'm so glad the Bible calls it the land of Tov because Tov in Hebrew means good. This means that God has already planned good for something the enemy planned evil for over your life. That God is a God that's got good plans for you. Touch your neighbor and say the plans that God has for me are plans of good and not of evil. That God can turn around every situation in my life and use it for his glory. Can I get
Scripture introduces Yifta the same way Scripture introduces Jabez. The Bible says Yifta was a mighty man of valor. So before it ever tells us about the sorrows and the way his family thinks of him, before the Scripture ever tells us the way his family is going to treat him, the way the, before the Scripture ever tells us that he's a complete outcast in his own family, the Bible's going to cancel it. Because the Bible doesn't let it be said, the negative to be said without God saying the positive. I hope you understand. That's why the Bible says he's a mighty man of valor. It starts it out. I want you to know that God has already spoken over your life. He's already de designed your destiny through the blood. He has not designed your destiny according to your difficulty. Your life is not defined by difficulty. Your life is defined by destiny before my difficulty my life is not defined by my difficulty it is defined by my destiny because that's the way God sees me can I get a witness somewhere somebody ought to give God the praise and give God the glory somebody ought to shout in here scenes really quickly. I want us to look at 2 Samuel chapter 9. There are only two prophetic principles that I want to share with you today that will give you the strength to leave the land of Lodabar. Unless you've been in Lodabar, you're not going to know how hard it is to leave. Okay, a new dress doesn't help you leave. Okay, um, a new job, feeling good about it for a few weeks but it doesn't seem to help you leave. Even new friendships doesn't help you leave. Sometimes we see a repetition of pain just trying to pull us back in again. Have you ever been in a situation where you felt you were escaping and then all of a sudden the same familiar thing came back again to pull you back? You say, just when I started to get the victory, just when things began to change, it seems like all these things are happening over again. This is what happened to the children of Israel before they left Egypt. Pharaoh had let the people go. But when they got to the Red Sea, he came back after them. I want you to know whatever spirit is after you to pull you back, it's going to be broken in the name of Jesus. You're not going back there again. Touch your neighbor and say, I'm not going back to that dark place. I'm not going back to that abuse. I'm not going back to that low self-esteem. I'm not going back to that rejection. I'm not going back to that lying spirit that wants to take everything from my life. This time, I'm coming back fighting. Can I get a witness somewhere? Say, I will not believe what the enemy wants to say about me. I will only believe what God's word says about me. Can I get a witness somewhere? Hallelujah. 
look in 2 Samuel. Let's go back. And let's look in 2 Samuel. And let's look at what's happening here. Bible's introducing us here in 2 Samuel chapter 9. Awesome, awesome introduction on how we're going to leave Lodabar. Okay, first of all, the Bible says, And David said, Is there any left of the house of Saul that I may show kindness for Jonathan's sake? Wow. Then he says it again. They said, Well, there's a guy named Ziba. Ziba was the one. He worked for Saul. He was Saul's servant. And he took care of Saul's properties while Saul, because Saul's dead. So he just took care of the lands. He made sure the harvests and everything. He, he was, the, he was the, the caretaker of Saul's properties with no inheritor. So, so David said, is there any left from the house of Saul that I might show chesed to him? Okay, this is unbelievable. First of all, Saul did nothing to David but show him harm. Saul did nothing but to persecute David for almost 17 years of his life. But now after Saul's gone, David is saying he's looking for someone to bless. And he shows us what true greatness is all about. Because greatness is not about us. Whenever God blesses us with influence or God blesses us with some sort of power or any type of ability, that God uses that. He's allowed that to happen in our life. He gives us a platform so that we might be able to bless other people. Because blessing is not about us. Blessing is about the benefit for other people. We're going to also see that David is looking for somebody to break yokes off their life. He's looking, look, is there somebody I can be kind to? Is there somebody I can show chesed to? Is there somebody I can go and help? Okay, because chesed is a special quality that, that is a special gift from God where someone actually looks for someone to bless. Okay, it's different than just, just um, showing kindness to somebody who's just near you, but Chesed goes out of its way to investigate, to say, what can I do? How can I help these people? I've heard about it, but I want to help. Let me investigate it. Okay, so David is looking for someone from the house of Saul that he can bless for Jonathan's sake. All right? Ziba says, well, there's one that's left. He's in Lodabar. And oh, they, he, calls, he calls him, and again, the scripture says it twice. Notice the way the, word, the text is worded. He asks it in verse 1, and then he also asks it again, okay? He wants to show in verse 3, is there someone I can show the kindness of God to? This is the emphasis of the text. And it's also showing us that when we reach out to look for others, we can become yoke breakers. That that is really why God gives us position. That's why God blesses us. So we can be a blessing to someone else. And the answer that Ziba gave, I don't understand. First of all, when I look at this text, why didn't Ziba go help him? Ziba's in charge of all of Saul's fields, but they really don't belong to him at all. They belong to the heir of King Saul. Uh, and that would be Jonathan. That would be um, Mephibosheth. All right, so there's somebody way off in the distance very dark and he's lame on his feet in that dark place called Lodabar and David said go and call him okay this is the first 
supernatural secret to coming out of darkness. Okay, what is that? Mephibosheth responded to the call of the king. I want you to understand something. Not just the call of David. David represents the Lord. David represents God's call on our life. You see, I want you to understand, everyone in this place has a call of God on your life. Every single person in this place has been called to do something for God. There is not one of you that has not been called to some sort of ministry and some sort of greatness. You were not redeemed just to warm a pew. You were redeemed to do something for God. You were redeemed for ministry. You were redeemed for purpose. You were redeemed to serve others. You were redeemed for missions. You were redeemed for showing kindness. You were redeemed for ministries and gifts of the Spirit. You were redeemed for a purpose and the only way that you will ever come out of low to bar is when you say yes to God Lord here I am even with all of my weakness I'm going to come and I'm going to serve you God I'm not going to stay stuck here let me explain it alright Mephibosheth couldn't walk he's lame how are you going to get over there to the king to get to the king is going to be it's going to be a lot of inconvenience because you can't walk so you're going to have to either crawl you're going to have to have somebody hold you up while you walk but you're still coming you see some of us have a lot of obstacles in front of us that we've used that we're not going to serve god well i'm not going to serve god because i can't i i have some kind of a physical disability I'm not going to serve God because I have too many emotional disabilities. I'm not going to serve God because I have financial disabilities. I'm not going to serve God because nobody likes me. I'm not going to serve God because I don't get along with people. I'm not going to serve God because I'm too tired and I have too much on my plate. You see, there is a time when we have to make a decision like Mephibosheth, that we are so tired of staying in Lodabar that we, even if we have to crawl to the king, that we are going to respond to the call of the king, that even if we have to live we're going to get there. Even if we have to be dragged, God, bring somebody to drag me, to help me. I will respond to the call of the king because responding to the call of the king is going to get you out of that dark place. Can I get a witness somewhere? I want you to raise your hand right now and I want you to ask God right now to show you and say this with me, Holy Spirit. Was there any time in my life or any time right now that you are calling me to leave Lodabar and I've stayed stuck in the place of darkness and pain and depression because I have not wanted to go forward in my condition to serve you? I've been intimidated by the obstacles. I've said no because there's too many hurdles that I have to overcome. But today I'm making a, a decision. I want to be like Mephibosheth. I want to respond to the call of the king. And today I say yes to the king. I know this is the only way 
I'll get out of Lodabar is when I start serving God. When I stop warming the pew and say yes to God, that I'll do whatever you ask. I'll go wherever you want me to go. I'll do whatever you tell me to do. In the mighty name of Jesus, can I get a witness somewhere? Somebody ought to say yes to the Lord. Hallelujah. Give him praise in this place. So here we see, hallelujah, Mephibosheth, though he was lame, he had to push past the pain. He had to push past the weakness. He had to push past people saying, oh, you can't walk. He had to push past the handicap of what he, of, of being lame and, and loving God so much that no matter what, there are some of us that have physical handicaps. There are others of us that have emotional handicaps. There are some of us that even have spiritual handicaps. We say, God, I don't really feel the presence. I really don't know, but I'm willing to do it. Whatever your handicap is. Some of us have spiritual handicaps. We say, I used to serve God, but I got somebody in church hurt me somebody in church said something about me so I decided I'm never gonna serve God again touch your neighbor and say neighbor today I'm praying for you to get delivered of your handicaps because today you're gonna walk because God is looking for somebody who's been through some things that he can use hallelujah some of us have emotional handicaps we say, I'm in too much pain. I'm in too much depression. So-and-so hurt me too bad. Or I've been through a broken up relationship. Or I feel rejected. I don't think I can serve God. I'm too embarrassed. I've got too many, too many heart, uh, things in my heart that, that make me feel intimidated. But I want you to know, if Mephibosheth with lame feet could respond to the call of the king, how much more can you respond to the call of the king? Because it's the only thing you out of captivity. Can I get a witness? You have to say, Lord, no matter how difficult this decision, I'm going to say yes. You have to say, Lord God, I'm willing in my weakness. Some of us say, you know what? I don't really feel qualified. Some of us say, I want to do it, but I don't trust myself. Some of us say, I don't feel like I have the gifts. I don't feel like I have the intelligence. I don't feel like I have the voice. I don't feel like I have the wherewithal. But if we could just be like Mephibosheth, if we could just say yes to the Lord today, hallelujah, and we respond to the call of the king, you may still have your physical legs, but your emotional support system might be gone. Maybe your finances are gone. Maybe your job is gone. Maybe somebody you love was taken up out of your lives somebody who held you up, somebody who strengthened you, somebody who always was your best friend. And now you say, I don't think I can do it because my support system is gone. But I want you to know today that no matter what it is, you might have physical legs, but maybe your emotions need some strength today. God wants to heal you so that you might come forward to serve him today. Can I get a witness somewhere? Hallelujah. The second supernatural step, first supernatural step is responding to the call of the king will cancel captivity. Say it with me. Responding to the call of the king is going to cancel my captivity. The second thing that we need to see that's going to cancel our captivity or that's going to cause us to leave Lodabar is coming near the anointing. 
See, the more around the anointing we become, the freer we become. Okay, the Bible tells us in Isaiah chapter 10, verse 27, the anointing shall break the yoke. Okay, the Bible tells us in Isaiah chapter 45, let's just look at that for a moment. Isaiah 45, verses 1 through 3, because we're going to see what the anointing does. The anointing is a bondage breaker. Say this with me. The anointing is a bondage breaker. Some of us have bars of iron around our destiny. How many people here feel like there's bars of iron around your destiny? Would you just raise your hand? All right. The way that those bars of iron are going to be shattered is through the anointing. All right. Let's just look at it. The Bible says, Thus saith the Lord to Cyrus, whose right hand I have holden to subdue nations before him, to loose the loins of kings, to open before him the two-leaved gates, and the gates shall not be shut. I will go before thee, and I will make the crooked places straight. Now watch this. I will break in pieces the gates of brass and cut in sunder the bars of iron. What that means is through the anointing, notice how the scripture is calling Cyrus God's anointed. And God is saying that anointing on his life is going to break the bars of iron. That anointing on his life is going to open the two-leaved gates. That anointing on his life is going to shatter the strongholds. Put your hands up right now and say strongholds are being shattered through the anointing. Doors of destiny are being opened through the anointing. And today I receive it in Jesus' name. When King David called him, here comes Mephibosheth, not with two legs, not walking, not in a way to even be able to stand up. Something happened when he got near the anointing. What do you mean when he got near the anointing, Dr. Corral? See, getting near David was getting near the anointing because David was God's anointed. The Bible says, I have found my servant David. With my holy oil, I have anointed him. The son of wickedness shall not exact upon him, nor shall the enemy afflict him. Psalm 89, 20 and 22. The Bible tells us that David was God's anointed. First Samuel chapter 16, verse 13 says, Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed David in the midst of his brethren. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. The Bible tells us in Psalm 135, I have found a horn for my anointed David. All right. The Bible tells us, in 2 Samuel chapter 2, verse 4, that David was anointed king over Judah. And in 2 Samuel chapter 5, verse 5, he was anointed king over Israel. We have three different places that the scriptures tells us David was God's anointed. All right. Not only this, when David goes to heaven, scripture eulogizes him. And the title that God gives him, in the, the title scripture gives him is not king. The title scripture gives him is the anointed of God, which is higher than king. Touch your neighbor and say the anointed of God is higher than king. Second Samuel chapter 23, verse 1, if you look at it, the Bible says in Second Samuel 23, verse 1, I want you to see how David is God's anointed. In 2 Samuel chapter 23, verse 1, 
Scripture is going to eulogize King David because he's already gone. And it's going to give us his title. I want you to see it. The Bible says, these be the last words of David. David, the son of Jesse, the man who was raised on high, the anointed of God, the God of Jacob, the sweet psalmist of Israel. Notice it doesn't say King David. The word king is missing. Okay, other places, scripture always puts king in. Here, scripture is not putting king in. This is, these are the last words. This is how scripture wants us to remember him. This is his legacy. This is what scripture is leaving for us as a legacy. But scripture removes in that legacy the word king. Why? Because the Bible is teaching us here something's greater than king. And that which is greater than king is the anointing. He's the anointed of God. And now Mephibosheth is being called to come into the presence of the anointing. And you know what happens when he gets around the anointing? Some things start to change. Touch your neighbor and say, when I get around the anointing, some things start to change. When I get around the anointing, things begin to get restored. Say this with me, through the anointing, God will bring restoration after devastation in my life. This is why we need the anointing. We need the anointing because the anointing is a yoke breaker, but the anointing restores to us what the enemy has stolen. I wouldn't want to live outside the anointing one day in my life because to be out from under the anointing is to be out from under God's protection. The Bible says the shield of the mighty is cast vilely away. The shield of Saul, as though he were not anointed with oil. There is something about the anointing that is a protection over a life. Can I get a witness somewhere? Coming around the anointing is going to change everything. Okay, coming around the anointing is going to restore everything. Coming around the anointing, this is why if we've been through things in our life, we've been around bondage, we've been under bondage, we've had to deal with bondage, any sort of bondage, rejection, inner healing needs, strongholds of abandonment, isolation, separation, verbal abuse, physical abuse, any types of hardships like that in our lives that we've been through when we come around the anointing, things change. David got around the anointing. And look what the word says, Second Samuel. Let's just look at it before we close here. And see what God is saying. Second Samuel chapter 9. The Bible says. Verse 5. And the king sent and fetched him out of the house of Machir. The son of Amiel from Lodabar. King fetched him. He responded to the calls of the king. And he left Lodabar forever. Now. The Bible says now when Mephibosheth. The son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, was coming to David. He fell on his face and did reverence. And David said, Mephibosheth. And he answered and said, Behold thy servant. And David said unto him, Fear not. I'm going to show kindness to you for Jonathan, your father's sake. Now watch this. I'm going to restore all the land of your father, Saul. Hallelujah. Saul, your father. And thou shalt eat bread at my table continually. Wait a minute. In one day he lost everything 
and in one day everything's being restored back. Touch your neighbor and say, this is a season of divine reversal and God's getting ready to restore back what the enemy has stolen. Can I get a witness somewhere? The anointing has the power properties in it. Say this with me, the anointing has the power properties in it to restore back what the enemy has stolen. I don't know about you, but I need to be around the anointing because the devil has taken some stuff and I'm about to get it back by being near the anointing. Can I get a witness somewhere? Here we see. He says, now this is what's going to happen. The very first thing he says, he doesn't beat around the bush, say, sit down, son. I'm going to call you in a couple days. It's great to see you. I haven't seen you. You look like your father. How wonderful. Um, uh, I'm going to let you live in one of my houses around here on, in, in my city, and I'll fetch you in a couple days. He didn't say that. No, immediately, immediately when Mephibosheth got around the anointing on King David. He said, Oh, first thing that comes out of his mouth, I'm going to restore the lands. Here's a man who's been living in poverty. Here's a man who changed his identity from Mephibosheth to Mari Baal. You see the word Mari Baal, strife, anger, bitterness. But Mephibosheth in the Hebrew language means shame destroyer. God wants to bring the anointing of the shame destroyer on your life. He's going to destroy everything in your life that your past made you ashamed for. Can I get a witness somewhere? Say this with me. The anointing of the shame destroyer has come upon me today in Jesus' mighty name. Can I get a witness? Right, so he says, I'm going to restore all the lands. Wow, that's not just a little bit. This child was living in poverty, changed his name. Uh, 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 nobody even knew his identity. They didn't know he was Saul's relative because he was so ashamed of being lame. He was so ashamed that he had nothing left. He's so ashamed of living in poverty, living in Lodabar. He changes his name. But God is so powerful. That name, shame destroyer comes around the anointing and David says I'm going to restore all the lands not just some of the lands so that means Saul's palace you know what else that means that means the properties of Ishbosheth. that means the properties of all Saul's sons everything that belonged to Saul Jonathan's properties all these properties in one day it means he's not just getting what normally he would have had he's getting double for his shame say this with me I'm about to get double for my shame the shame destroyer say this with me it's the shame destroyer anointing and I'm gonna get double for my shame Isaiah 61 hallelujah verse 7 says you shall have double for your shame hallelujah Zechariah chapter 9 verse 12 turn ye to the strongholds your prisoners of hope for today I declare I'm going to render double unto thee. Wow. All these properties in one day. How are you going to handle it? It's more than anyone could ever imagine. All of this being given in one day to, to Mephibosheth. And now, not only are his lands restored, but now his legacy is going to be restored. You know how his legacy is going to be restored? King David made it very apparent to Israel 
that his children were in a class all by themselves. Okay? He did not allow strangers to eat at his table, nor did he even allow his prime minister to eat at his table, Joab, the one who ran all the armies of Israel. The only ones allowed to eat at his table, he wanted all of Israel to know, these are my children. Okay? And my children are heirs to my throne. They are heirs to, to all, that, all that I have. David was really strong like that. He was a very good father. Maybe a little bit too spoiling to his children. We can see some of those things that, that really ended up being a sword to him. But he loved his children very much. He loved even Absalom, the one who was risen up against him. These children had a special place in the kingdom. They, uh, among all children, all, all people in Israel, only, King David only ate with his children. No one else was allowed to be at that table because they had a special status. All right? King David's going to do something. He's going to restore the legacy. Not just the lands, but he's going to restore the legacy to Mephibosheth. He gets around the anointing and he gets his dignity back. He not only gets his lands back, but he gets his reputation back. He gets the honor back. He gets the position back. He's now going to be considered as a king's child. He before was living in that isolated place, but now he's going to be considered as King David's own son. That means that God has restored his legacy back. God has restored his land back. When you get around the anointing, God wants to restore everything back to you. That's why we need the anointing the way we do. There's only one thing that he didn't get back. That was his legs. You know why? The legs represent support. No matter how, how high we go up in God, no matter how much God gives us, we still have to be in a place where we depend on God for everything. The secret of success is not just having things and being independent. No, we want to depend on the Lord the same as we did when we had nothing. Depending on God for everything when we have abundance and when we didn't have abundance. Okay? The, the sparing of those legs or those legs still in that condition made Mephibosheth be in a place he had to depend on God for everything. Thank you for joining us today. It is our prayer that this word broke bondages and will open doors for you. If you have never received Jesus Christ as the Lord of your life, invite him now to be your Lord and Savior and best friend. Repeat this simple prayer. Lord Jesus, come into my heart and be the Lord of my life. Wash me clean from all my sins. I accept you as my personal Lord and Savior. Amen. Thank you for joining us and we'll see you soon.